Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 81 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. I am your host and humble guide, Keila Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 138 of Wrestletopia continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was AEW Dynamite going down live from the MVP Arena in Albany, New York, and we kick things off with a Grand Slam Tournament of Champions match involving John Moxley versus Sammy Guevara. And this match was very good. As Moxley mentioned last week during his promo, guys like Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara are younger and faster than him, but he's got experience and the love of blood and violence on his side. And last night was no exception as he gave Sammy Guevara the business early on with silver strikes and chops. At one point, Sammy goes blow for blow at Mox, but that backfires and Mox legit takes a nap in the ring and fires up more chops on Sammy Guevara. Guevara lands a couple of topes on Mox on the outside to rock him for a bit and sends him into the still steps where he continues to kick Mox's head directly into those steps as we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break. We come back and Mox regains control by sending Sammy into the railing at ringside, then lands a headlock driver on the hardest part of the ring, you guessed it, a ring apron, as Sammy barely beats the 10 count to get back in the ring. Eventually, Mox gets Sammy on the top rope, rakes his back, and delivers an avalanche. Butterfly suplex on the top rope for a near fall. Sammy briefly regains control by locking in a Boston Crab on John Moxley, followed by a double jump cutter on Mox for a near fall. Goes for the GTH go to hell, but Mox makes a beautiful transition into a bulldog choke. Cinches that hold in as he tries to choke Sammy out to no avail. From there, both men regain their footing as Mox goes for a King Kong lariat only for Sammy to catch him with a standing Spanish fly in a great spot for a near fall. Mox eventually recovers as well and lands an avalanche German suplex that sends Sammy tumbling on the mat in a great spot. Then we get shenanigans, courtesy of Ty Mello, Sammy's wife, and Anna J A S representing the Jericho Appreciation Society. As Anna J distracts the referee, Ty kicks Moxley in the nuts, and that allows Sammy to roll up Mox for a near fall. From there, he goes up top of the set on Atomico. He misses that, and after a brief struggle back and forth, Sammy goes for another GTH, but Mox counters that into the Death Rider for the win to advance to the finals of the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions. This was a really good match. The transitions both times of that GTH into a Bulldog Choke and the Death Rider were seamless. It told a great story of how much that finisher means to Sammy because it finishes off his opponents by knocking the shit out of them. And Mox had a counter both times. And I thought this was a really strong match. I feel for Sammy in a way because eight months ago, he was over as a babyface. I was one of his biggest fans because his babyface offense was spectacular. My one critique was lack of selling. And he's able to do that a bit more against Mox who doesn't play those games in the ring, but just the charm is off now. The bloom has fallen off the rose with Sami Zayn as a heel, and it's just, ugh, it's too bad because he was one of the dudes I thought that could really have next up in AEW, and right now he's just a guy that can do great stuff, but it just lacks heat right now. This is not the guy that was over against MJF, one of the greatest Dynamite main events of all time last summer on TNT. This is not the guy that gave Cody his final final five-star match in AEW early this year via that epic ladder match for the undisputed TNT championship. And now he's just out there getting booed. The thrill is gone with the Sammy Guevara babyface experience. It's sad, but public perception is everything right now. And he has not won that campaign over the last several months, but it is what it is as Mox moves on to the finals of the Grand Slam tournament next Wednesday at Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York.
Next up is MJF cutting a great promo on John Moxley. And it was not an easy feat because when his music hits, the fans want to cheer him and he has to try his damnness to get booed to be the heel he's meant to be right now. But that promo he cut at the LA Forum a few months ago that aired out his grievances in such a passionate and angry way that's unforgettable he shows up at all out as the devil himself and he gets cheered he got cheered last week in buffalo before flipping on the fans it is going to be increasingly difficult to get him booed on a regular basis because he's so compelling to watch we've seen samples of mjf the babyface in long island to his promo calling out cm punk for being his hero and letting him down almost 10 years ago in one of the most searing promos of 2022 this guy is 26 years old Delivering promos that seasoned vets can only dream of. And his versatility is everything. And I'm in awe of him every single time he opens his mouth, for better or worse. I'm just compelled by what he has to say. And last night, he did the impossible by getting booed when those fans wanted to love up on him as he went in on John Moxley saying that this is not the same guy you fought it all out a couple of years ago for the AEW World Championship. There's no podium here. I'm not running some faux political campaign for 2020. This is a different MJF. And what really pisses me off is that when I look into your eyes, I see no fear. You don't sweat anything. And that really makes me angry. Hell, I couldn't sleep for seven days thinking about what you said to me with zero fear in your eyes. But deep down, it's a front. You do the walk and the shoulder shrug and the swag to overcompensate for a shitty childhood. These people in Albany can relate their uneducated, poor, white trash, just like yourself. Slamming it up in Cincinnati all those years ago. I read your book, Mox. I know about the bullying you endured and how those kids stole your bicycle made you feel less than a man. That's why you became Tough Guy Mox, a guy that can take on the world. And you did just that. But it's all an act. Deep down, you're still that scared little boy that got bullied. And you took all of that childhood trauma you went through and you drunk it away. You went to alcohol to numb the pain. And I will give you credit, John. You kicked the habit. You sought help when you reached your lowest moment. You fought your demons and you won. You had the intestinal fortitude to fight back and say no more. And for that, I respect you. But the demons you talked about, the ones hunting you down your entire life, saying you don't deserve good things in your life. You don't deserve the wife, the kid, the championships, the glory, the fame. The one that tried to take this from you. In reality, that's a demon you shouldn't be worried about. It should be me because I'm the demon on your back going after my championship. And that goes for Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson too. You don't want to run into me because bad things will happen to you. And the same will happen to Mox when I get my championship when the time calls for it. And Maxwell introduces the first ever Faction by retainer in AEW history, The Firm, led by his best friend, Stokely Hathaway, alongside W. Morrissey, The Gun Club's Austin and Colton Gunn, alongside Leo Moriarty and Ego Ethan Page. And Stokely comes out to explain what The Firm is all about. They are people who are here to provide emotional support for Maxwell. That's what they do. They're not going to be together full time, but they have a mission statement. And Soak notes, I've been around the block for a few months here and I had to infiltrate the system. I had to get to know everybody from Dr. Britt Baker to Jamie Hayter to Jade Cargill to me hanging around House of Black watching Living Single. Everything was for a reason. I needed to get closer to my marks to find out how things really work around here. I'm not an assistant. I'm not a manager. I'm not a publicist. I'm a friend. 
I'm an ally and I'm someone that will use blackmail to my advantage. That's why we're here to provide a service to MJF and we would disband when that service is no longer required. But I want to shout out my crew, W. Morrissey, I got love for you. He hugs him and Morrissey knows so to hug. Stokes says, I love you. And then Morrissey Drolly says, I love you too, as it looks down on the mat. Then he goes to Lee Moriarty saying, this is going to be your future ring of honor, pure champion. Austin and Colton Gunn are not ass boys. They're going to step out of their old father's shadow because he's irrelevant and they're going to become future AEW world tag team champions. Then Eagle Ethan Page, a guy underrated, underserved in AEW, whose goal is to make Canada proud by becoming the All-Atlantic champion. This is the firm either you run with us or you run from us and that was a great mission statement by Stokely Hathaway his promo went a wee bit long but now we know this crew's intention they're not going to be this lockstep crew doing things to MGF it's a faction of convenience so to speak and I dig it and Stoke needed this moment on the mic to spell out his true intent and purposes with AEW he played many roles over the first few months but now he is clearly the guy leading a bigger vision that I can dig in the months to come Next up is Jungle Boy versus Jay Lethal. This match was very good as Jungle Boy worked over Lethal early on with some drop kicks and some strikes. He goes for a dive on the outside, but then I'm seeing stops him, which allows Jay Lethal to land a backbreaker on the top turnbuckle to Jungle Boy. As we go to commercial break, Jungle Boy's back is still taped up from Luchasaurus's attack at All Out a couple of weeks ago on pay-per-view, and Jay is still working over that back. Goes for Lethal injection, but Jungle Boy turns that into a lariat in a great spot from there. Both men are trading strikes for a bit. Jungle Boy is going to continue to sell his back while going for a suplex but that is blocked by Jay Lethal who goes for Lethal Injection again but Jungle Boy rocks him with another lariat followed by a brain buster for two. Jay recovers and lands a second rope rush and leg sweep on Jungle Boy for a near fall. He goes for Lethal Injection again. Notice the theme here Jungle Boy counters into a kill switch but he is blocked with the Lethal Combination by Lethal followed by a Tope Suicida on the outside courtesy of Jay to Jungle Boy. Jay goes up top lands a top rope elbow drop on Jungle Boy but Jungle Boy is able to fight back and lock in the snare trap on Jay Lethal despite interference from Sanjay Dutt. Jungle Boy reapplies the submission hold, locks it in and makes Jay tap out for the win. A very good match as Jungle Boy needed this win to rebound after getting beat down by Luchasaurus and Christian Cage it all out nearly two weeks ago as the Jungle Boy Revenge Tour continues. Next up is Powerhouse Hobbs versus Matt DiMartino and this was a quick affair. Corner splash followed by a spine buster by Hobbs to DiMartino for the win. After the match is over Hobbs grabs the bike to remind everyone that he spent 21 months standing in Ricky Starks' shadow, but only took him four minutes to beat him at All Out as he closes the book on Starks and opens the next chapter in the book of Hobbs. And Ricky Starks is coming through the crowd, down the aisle. The crowd is popping for him, sitting on their feet as he goes after Powerhouse Hobbs as Hobbs ducks from this fight. And Ricky gives us the eyebrow raise, very rock-ish in a lot of ways, which I did, gives us the pose as well. To wrap up this segment, I want Ricky to get more mic time on Dynamite to fully explain what happened at All Out in order to get back on track by going after Hobbs once again. This could be a sneaky great feud if they're given more time in the ring to do their thing on TV and or the next pay-per-view, which is full gear in November. Hobbs, I'm really impressed with as of late. Confident on the mic, great in the ring, and his 2022 has been great in Ricky is a superstar on the rise if given an opportunity as this feud has a ways to go between now and the end of the year. Next up is Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee 
versus Lucha Brothers for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. And this was the party match of the night. This was a lot of fun to watch. Swerve and Ray Phoenix are just butter together, smooth and silky with their transitions and counters. Keith Lee was a powerhouse throwing around Penta and Ray Phoenix at various points as he chopped the shit out of Ray Phoenix after Ray tried to chop Keith Lee a very bad business decision. At one point, Penta lands made in Penta on Swerve Strickland, but Keith Lee throws Ray Phoenix through the ropes on top of his brother to break up the pin attempt in a great spot. From there, Keith Lee ragdolls both men once again by landing an early backbreaker on Ray Phoenix and tackling Penta in the ring at one point. Swerve and Keith Lee have Ray Phoenix in position for that powerbomb foot stomp combo from the top rope. Penta breaks things up and in a batshit crazy moment, Phoenix lands the double jump springboard Spanish fly to swerve while he's down we got Penta launching off the back of Ray Phoenix and landing a goddamn Canadian destroyer on Keith Lee these fans in Albany New York rise to their feet and cheer they're going crazy they're chanting holy shit that was the spot of the night in my estimation as Penta and Rago for Fear Factor on Keith Lee. Swerve breaks things up by shoving Phoenix on the floor, which allows Lee to hit the ground zero on Penta to retain the AEW World Tag Team titles. A really good match. I wanted a bit more time as they were really hitting their groove, but a really strong match from the champs. But the acclaimed are the most over tag team in AEW as they put Swerve and Leo notice ahead of their rematch for the AEW World Tag Team titles next Wednesday for Grand Slam Live from Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York. And I expect the title change. The fans of Chicago went ballistic at All Out when the Acclaim did not win those titles from Swerve and Keith Lee. And I expect them to actually get coronated under the bright lights of Arthur Ashe Stadium. That will be a moment for the Acclaimed. It took me by surprise that they're that over right now. And I expect them to have their moment at Grand Slam next week. Next up is the interim AEW Women's World Champion, Tony Storm, teaming up with Athena versus Dr. B. Baker, DMD, alongside Serena Deeb. And this tag team match was good, but this was in that 920 spot when the crowd dies. And this was the least heated match on the show, despite the good work from all four ladies as Tony Storm launches off Serena Deeb and lands a turn DDT on Britt Baker. Britt responds with a sling blade to Storm before making the hot tag to Serena Deeb. Athena is a legal woman as well as they go back and forth for a bit. Deeb goes for a cross on breaker, but Athena responds with a meteora before making the tag to Tony Storm and lands a top rope cross body on Serena Deeb, but she transitions that into a half Boston Crab in a silky smooth spot. Athena tries to break up the hold, but Athena absorbs every kick to the chest that Athena is throwing her away, and Britt gets involved by landing a super kick on Athena before rocking Tony Storm with the boot to the face as well. Eventually, Britt is going to take Athena on the outside, slam her into the steel steps, and behind the referee's back, courtesy of a distraction by Rebel, Britt is going to have a steel chair posted in the corner, and Deeb is going to send Tony Storm face first into the steel chair, knocks her out, and Deeb is going to roll up Tony Storm for the victory over the interim AEW Women's World Champion after the match is over. Athena tries to make the save, but she is dropped with another super kick, courtesy of Britt Baker, followed by a curb stomp that Athena sells beautifully as her head is spiked down on the mat. Jamie Hayter comes out to seemingly help Tony Storm because since All Out, Jamie has not talked to Britt Baker, 
But instead of going after Britt, she's going to hit Tony with the steel chair repeatedly, lays her out. Britt apologizes again, but Jamie Hayter walks away from her mentor as their beef continues heading into next week's Fatal 4-Way match for the interim AEW Women's World Championship involving Athena, Tony Storm, The Champ, Britt Baker, and Serena Deeb. That could be a great match if given time in a preferable spot on the show. But as always, when it comes to Tony Khan and his booking, we shall see. And now it is time for our main event. It is Jericho versus Danielson part two in the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions. And this match was better than their match at All Out because this crowd was heated for every spot. This was a strike fest between both guys laying in chops and strikes and punches and they were absolutely laying in their shit. Ground game by Jericho and Danielson was strong as well. Danielson goes up top for a headbutt as he continues to go after the left shoulder of Chris Jericho. Jericho's going to slam Danielson's head repeatedly into the mat. Danielson fires up by doing push-ups to say, that don't phase me whatsoever. Jericho is going to drop Danielson with a lion salt for two, followed by her Karana off the top rope in a great spot as always. Jericho is going to miss the Judas effect and Danielson lands a snapdragon suplex followed by catamutilation. Jericho is going to land those anvil elbows on the side of Jericho's head. But Jericho fights back with a shot to Danielson's temple and in a great spot of mockery as Jericho goes to those anvil elbows on Danielson, but Danielson no sells it like it has no effect on him whatsoever. He stands up and basically tells Jericho to go fuck himself. But Jericho responds with a cold breaker, but Danielson fights right back with the Busaku knee that rocks Jericho in a great spot as well as the crowd is popping for all of these spots. We got more chops and strikes of both men. They're getting tired at this point as Jericho lands a suplex on Danielson and sends him on the outside. In doing so, Danielson lands awkwardly on his left ankle and he rolls it. And Danielson is one of the greatest sellers in professional wrestling history because he makes you believe that his injuries are real and he will sell his ass off like a thespian that he is. Jericho sells panic momentarily, but he smells blood in the water goes after that left ankle by removing the boot and Taz notes on commentary these are not the boots that Danielson would normally wear these are a little less snug they're a bit different doesn't provide as much protection as usual as Jericho slams that exposed ankle into the ring post repeatedly with a chop block to boot goes for a figure for a leg lock but Danielson is able to counter that for a roll-up attempt and at one point he's locked in the walls of Jericho refuses to give up Jericho reapplies the figure for a leg lock goes for a heel hook as well ascension that bat left ankle but Danielson fights back every step of the way and is able to roll through into a label lock he cinches in the label lock he is going to reapply it go after the arm of Jericho as he did so earlier in this match apply pressure crank the label lock deep and Jericho taps out clean as Danielson will move on to face John Moxley for the AEW World Championship next Wednesday at Grand Slam Live from Arthur Ashe Stadium. And Daniel Garcia looks on respectively as he's proud of Danielson pulling out this win over Jericho, his mentors. I think he's still wrestling with being a wrestler and or a sports entertainer. He's a wrestler, damn it. And then Mox comes out to shake Danielson's hand. They are brothers. They are members of the Blackpool Combat Club, founding members of this crew, united by violence and professional wrestling. And they shake hands. And it's on next Wednesday. Friends, enemies, everything in between for a shot to be champion. Mox wants to take his shot, but I do want to preface this by saying that Mox is supposed to be on a six-week vacation. I don't think he's going to delay it too much longer, and I sense the Dames is going to win the title next Wednesday. It's full circle. A year ago, he fought Kenny Omega, then AEW world champion. Now he will probably become world champ 
next Wednesday on Dynamite. Full circle moment. Gotta love it. It could be one of the greatest Dynamite main events of all time over this championship if given time to open and or close the show on Ash. And this wraps up a very good episode of Dynamite. Strong matches all night long. Great MJF promo. Great opener. Even better closer involving Jericho and Danielson part two. Better than what they did at all out with more heat and better action. And just a nice fine heart sell for Grand Slam next Wednesday on Dynamite. We got Orange Cassidy versus Pac for the All-Atlantic Championship after Orange kicked Pack in the face backstage. Ballsy move by Orange who wants some gold. And I keep saying Orange deserves some gold in AEW before years end. He might get it next Wednesday against Pack, And that match has the potential to be absolutely incredible if given time. This whole card has the potential to be strong top to bottom. Capped off by Mox versus Danielson 2 for the AEW World Championship. So much has happened in the last few weeks. Champs being stripped, suspended, possibly fired, and we need some stability starting next week. The champ should be the champ for a while up until MGF decides to claim that title as his own at long last for cashing in that poker chip. It's not a Money in the Bank briefcase. You can't chip in at any time, but I think that this champion needs to bring some much-needed stability to AEW for the foreseeable future to keep things calm, keep things steady, and to get this company back on track because it's been a rocky couple of weeks. Hopefully, cool has prevail. Things are a bit better backstage and the booking becomes more focused heading into the heart of the fall season. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 81 of the Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Receptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on this in my daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, no longer 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, such as and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa and Spotify. I'll be back Saturday morning with episode number 51 of the SmackDown Windown slash AW Rampage Late Night Rager. Until then, enjoy your Thursday and your Friday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.